We've been at the forefront of this pandemic as healthcare providers. We helped a lot of our nursing students focusing on meeting those basic needs so that people can survive in this new climate. You know, this is the time to lean in and really help each other and help where we can because that's how we're going to get through it. Hey family, I'm Leon Guidry. Welcome to the Brother Be Well podcast. Our conversations focus on mental health and wellness. Our intent is to provide a safe space for boys and men of color to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. Listen up, y'all. Hello, my name is Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director and lead writer for Brother Be Well. I want to welcome you to the show today. Uh, Kristen, you mentioned um, the elderly Hmong community, and that leads me to talk about older adults. So let's get at that a little bit. Um, older adults are more at risk uh, of morbidity and mortality due to coronavirus infection. Um, that that population is is even more encouraged to shelter in place, stay home, isolate yourself. And again, that isolation can lead to, to loneliness, to anxiety, um, how can we best take care of our elders during this pandemic? I mean, it's, it's always important to me, even as I approach that elder status, it's, it's always been important to me that we take care of our elders. But now so more than ever, what are some tips for really, you know, digging in and, and taking care of our elders as we are all managing this pandemic? Uh, let's start maybe with you, Christian. Yeah, um, I, I think one of the, the main um efforts that that could really have some positive outcomes is really, uh, as I spoke earlier, is the innovation portion um, in terms of talking about micro. So talking about family structure, right? So you're talking about your, your, um, your grandmother, your great grandfather. So within your family structure, you're talking about, you know, being more creative in terms of those visits, uh, the virtual visits that we we spoke of and having those toasts and having those, um, those online um, connections and as uh, we were talking about earlier with, uh, with Netflix, having being able to watch those movies one on one, but on a um, macro level, looking a bit large in terms of the public health and overall community, you're looking at um, ensuring that that the um, seniors have their basic needs met. And right now, there's a huge um, concern with food insecurity, and malnourishment is really big amongst the community, the, the senior community. Um, and so you're looking at during COVID-19, so promoting and making accessible ongoing SNAP programs and locally funded food programs to the senior community to make this accessible for them. Um, and also um, being that advocate in the community, going to these stakeholder engagement meetings and going to the legislative hearings to really advocate um, on, on behalf of individuals um, inside of the Department of, of Aging, for example, State Department. So there's, I think there's options in terms of that level and supporting um, the group. And also the constant messaging, as I was saying earlier, is, is ensuring that through those efforts, through the uh, community service efforts, that, that accurate uh, messaging is being put out there on what they can do, what the elderly community can do, and uh, what the options are for them versus what the limitations are. Excellent thoughts. Cherie, anything that you'd like to, to add to that, taking care of, of our, our seniors? Um, you know, the most important part about that statement is these are our seniors. Um, we have to take care of each other and our community. Uh, and that may mean your reach is delivering food to your neighbors and your neighborhoods that you know, or the elders in your family, making sure that they have some of those nutritious items, dropping them off, um, helping with some of the hopelessness by scheduling phone calls. If you know that every evening I'm going to call my grandfather 
or we're going to make a schedule for our cousins so that every each day someone's responsible for calling and checking up. That gives them something to look forward to, um, giving them the right information uh, to make sure that they're getting up and exercising, that they're eating, that they're drinking, all of those, make, making sure the basic needs are met and also those emotional needs. So really taking on that responsibility of taking care of each other and filling in the gap. In fact, one of the, the uh, great components of Capital City Black Nurses Association is, you know, we've been at the forefront of this pandemic as healthcare providers. And I really lean on my colleagues for support, um, for emotional support, financial support. We helped a lot of our nursing students through this rough patch, uh, finding um, clinical placements and meeting the, really focus, focusing on meeting those basic needs so that people can survive in this new climate. So, you know, this is the time to lean in and really help each other and help where we can, because that's how we're going to get through it. Wow, excellent. You know, you've you both encouraged me. Uh, it'll be too late. I've got to make a call to someone on the East Coast, and I'm going to do it first thing tomorrow morning and just make sure that that elder member of my family is okay. So thanks for that reminder. Um, as we get ready to wrap up, just one or two more questions. Um, let's talk about... Um, folks that have um, chronic illnesses that are prevalent in people of color community. Research shows that mental health disorders are, are pretty common among folks that um, are also plagued by, by conditions like chronic lung disease, by asthma, serious heart conditions, diabetes. We all know they run in people people of color communities, they're prevalent there. Um, I'm wondering about if the link between COVID rates and, and those conditions. So we've talked about people of color. Um, Cherie, you said there's nothing biological about black and brown people that makes them more susceptible, but do those conditions, I, for instance, am hypertensive, does that make me, some of the data has been a little, um, uh, confusing is controlled hypertension, for instance, better than uncontrolled mm -hmm. hypertension. I control mine via medication and daily cardio. Does that does that help protect me? And does the variety of conditions that people of color are managing are all of those making it more are are those making us more susceptible to this virus? Right. And thus, so then more 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 vulnerable with regard to our mental health. Right. So anytime you have any of those pre-existing health condi conditions, you are at a greater risk for having a worse outcome from anything, and particularly coronavirus. Um, in fact, I will actually share with you that um, during this pandemic, I actually tested positive for the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, and I had symptoms in my personal health history is I chronically have asthma and allergies. Um, and one of my first concerns when um, at a patient and having COVID-19 was that, wow, this can really flare up my asthma and be really detrimental for um, someone like me. And because of that, because I knew I had that comorbidity, I had to make sure of a couple of things. One, that my immunity health was really, really as strong as it could be, right? So I'm eating healthy plant-based foods. I'm drinking lots of fluids. I'm making sure to get all of my activity. Secondly, I had to make sure that I controlled my chronic condition, as you mentioned with your hypertension. I had to make sure that all of my maintenance medications that I'm supposed to take every day or um, as needed medications for symptoms that I took and I stayed on top of, um, as well as taking my supplemental um, vitamins and, like I said, eating nutrient-rich foods. So I had to consider all of those things in the scheme of things to make sure that I 
gave myself the best odds to not only manage symptoms, but also uh, survive having COVID-19. In addition to that, um, even though I did have COVID-19, I also still took the the vaccine um, as we're still finding out more information about how this specific version of this coronavirus is responding um, to the environment and people and getting more and more research. I want to make sure as a person with a risk uh, that I'm as protected as I possibly can be. So Mm. I'm also an advocate for that. So I do all the things that I can personally control for my own personal health and to protect me from not only just um, the possibility of having COVID-19, but also um, being protected from all the detrimental effects that it can happen. And I I truly believe that because of those things, having a controlled chronic condition, um, also practicing um, healthy lifestyle habits, and also um, practicing methods of prevention through um, vaccination, which I'm a believer in vaccination and other vaccinations as well um, that I've had, that those things do contribute to my overall uh, success and, and have, quite honestly. So I think you're absolutely right. When there is a difference between a controlled chronic condition and just a chronic condition, but both do present a risk for having mm. a negative um, impact. If my lungs that are chronically inflamed have scarred tissue, I'm at a greater risk of a complication if it does in fact happening, it being worse, or, you know, unfortunately, a through uh, people being intubated um, and also um, those that we have lost to COVID-19. So you really have to consider all of those things um, when you're looking at uh, chronic conditions and their impact. And then of course, um, my my first thought, like I said, when my test came back positive, um, I immediately got worried about my chronic condition. Like this is what's, you know, taking people out with COVID is the respiratory failure. And this is the issue that I have. Um, but, you know, luckily my next thought was, okay, Sheree, do everything within your power to be as healthy as possible um, physically um, as also as well as mentally. You know, I, I double down on my sleep patterns, making sure I'm getting enough um, balance between sleep and rest, um, making sure that I was doing my daily gratitude and meditation, also talking to my mental health professional. So everything that I could do, I took responsibility for doing to make sure that I came out on the other side successful. And I'm very thankful that I um, did not have a severe um, case of COVID-19 and that I was able to uh, come out on the other side. But I I really do um, contribute to all of those things that that I put in place, as well as I've seen with patients as well. People that commit to doing all of those things tend to fare well in any situation, honestly, in, in my entire healthcare career, patients that lean in um, to really doing everything that they can personally do in addition to our medical treatment, um, mm. usually fare well and also cope better with the situation in general. I mean, I've talked to chronic, um, I mean, I've talked to cancer patients that are optimistic and hopeful and grateful for the care that they're getting, even with the terminal diagnosis. So, um, it's kind of, you know, back to that adage, and, and if you're religious, it's, you know, on what a man thinks, so is he, right? So yeah. I think there is mind over matter when it comes to adopting those things to really reduce your risk. You really, none of us know, you, you couldn't possibly know how you contracted the virus, uh, Cherie. One might assume it was through your job. You're, you're right on the front line. You're caring for people who are ill. So let me just take an opportunity. I do it every chance I get. 
thank you, thank you, thank you for doing what you do on a daily basis to try to keep everybody else healthy. And I'm so happy to hear that you have come out on the other side of that. So thanks a lot. We have covered so very much uh, today. Um, uh, I want to thank both of you, but give you an opportunity for some closing thoughts. Um, you know, age before beauty. So I'm going to go to Christian. Christian, uh, have you got some closing thoughts for us as we as we wrap up tonight? Sure. I, I just want to um, really leave a message of um, positivity, you know, in terms of some of the emerging ideas that are coming through science and medicine, where the um, idea of um, the immunology and, um, and central nervous system and mental health are really coming together. So you're looking at that managed care, that physical health, and that mental health. Um, that had to, it's been treated separately for so long. And I think now, moving forward, the last few years or so, it's really been an emerging issue looking at how uh, how these two play a part. You know, um, the, the physical health is not separate from mental health, and they both play on each other. Uh, for example, there's um, immunology and psychiatry, the science of the immune system that explains the mechanisms around uh, inflammation of the brain. So links between the immune system and uh, the brain and behaviors and state of mind. So um, really seeing how those two play together, you know, um, uh, years ago um, in, in medical school, um, some research was, uh, came out about how uh, doctors were taught about medicine. And basically they were taught that uh, the immune system and the brain um, can't talk to each other through the immune cells of cytokines. And they uh, infiltrate the blood brain uh, barrier, which protects the brains. But new studies indicate that um, that may not be the case. Um, a good example is when you get a physical injury like a toothache, um, immune cells in your body produce cytokines, and which then circulate through your body and your blood and communicated uh, inf uh, inflammation signals um, across um, the supposedly uh, impervious uh, BBB, which is the blood uh, brain barrier, um, to reach the nerve cells in your brain. In turn, that can make you call, um, be depressed. So, can a toothache cause depression? So these are the physical health and the mental health um, variants that are now coming together in medicine and professionals and the research um, experts are now seeing the correlation between the two. So I just want to say that's a positive thing. And moving forward, uh, this, hopefully this should create more opportunities for us to really treat them hand in hand together. I really appreciate it, Christian. Uh, Cherie, final thoughts, comments, success tips, strategies. You, you've given us so much already, both of you, but I want to give you one more opportunity to share some final thoughts. Um, I would say for everyone to be intentional about your health, um, that means doing the things that you have control over. Um, like I mentioned, taking care of your immune system, um, eating a, a health, healthy plant-based diet um, as much as possible, um, drinking lots of water, staying hydrated, um, getting up and moving, whether you can do exercise in your um, home or outside of your home, or even if you're wheelchair bound or chair bound or limited mobility, doing what mobility you can do. Um, and then also please paying attention to social distancing, washing your hands, wearing a mask. And then lastly, uh, really putting your mental health at the forefront. Um, it's the engine that keeps your body going. It's your brain. Um, you need to make sure that uh, that is taken care of as much as your physical elements or things that you're concerned about. Um, it's okay to put yourself first and think outside of the box and do what's necessary for you and your family to get through this difficult time. 
I've got, thank you for that, Cherie. I've got to tell both of you, and, and I, I need to do this in a more formal way, but I haven't been in school in quite some time, but I always learn something when I talk to you guys. When we get together, I, I walk away. It doesn't matter how well prepared I think I am. I walk away from this table, from this desk, having learned something. So thank you so very much, Cherie Kreiner, uh, Vice President of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. Thank you, Cherie. We really appreciate it. You can go to ccbna.org for more information on that organization. And thanks also to Christian Jacobs, marriage and family therapist and good friend of mine. Now, there's his contact information. I do the, I follow it with my finger, but I always get it backwards when I try to do that. So there's his <laughs> phone number and email address there. So thanks to both of you for, for taking some time out to, to talk with our Brother Be Well audience. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's been fantastic. We'll see, you again. we'll see you again soon, I promise. And I want to invite you, if you've seen or heard anything today that you like and you're curious about Brother Be Well and want to learn a little bit more, go to our website, mentalhealthca.org. You'll see a variety of videos just like this one. There's a link to some podcasts there. There's some print pieces there that might be helpful to you, tips and success strategies as you travel your journey. And you can also subscribe to our magazine. It's a free subscription. You can do all of that at mentalhealthca.org. Until next time, my name again is Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director for Brother Be Well. I want to thank you again for, for sitting in and watching this, this uh, broadcast. And I want to ask you to do me one favor. Take good care of yourself. And while you're at it, maybe two favors. Take care of somebody else. Bye-bye. This has been the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. Shout out to our sponsors, Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. And don't forget our goals, to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. If you have feedback on today's episode, tweet us at BrotherBeWell or email info at BrotherBeWell.com. Click the subscribe button right now and plan to join us next time. Until then, be well, brothers.